enough people told me I was stupid when I left. There were people on the outside that were like, you're stupid for joining. And there were people on the inside who were like, you're stupid for leaving. I knew it was so much bigger than what I was. I think people don't understand that not everybody's the same and not everybody has the same life experience. And all it takes is being vulnerable. My father died, y'all, 10 days before my wedding. I walked down the aisle with his ashes, okay? I was in a place where anything could help me, I will do it. Today, we are talking about the psychological tactics of pyramid schemes and how MLMs, multi-level marketing companies, often shame people into silence. We're going straight to the source, talking with Roberta Blevins, who was near the top of the crumbling toxic pyramid of LuLaRoe and who now advocates against MLMs. If you or someone you know feels trapped in an MLM, please don't miss today's baggage check. Welcome, everyone. It's good to have you here today. I'm Dr. Andrea Bonnier, and this is Baggage Check, mental health talk and advice, with new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Baggage Check is not a show about luggage or travel. Incidentally, it's also not a show about whether if you keep painting a room enough times, it will get noticeably smaller. Okay, let's get going. We have got quite the episode for you today. It may be our longest one yet. But this conversation is worth it. Some of you will think this conversation stinks and you'll email me angrily about it. But I urge you to have an open mind. We're talking about multi-level marketing today, otherwise known as MLMs. And here's where I get sued. Anyone want to help me out with that? A ton of MLMs, maybe even like almost every single one of them are pyramid schemes. Pyramid schemes, of course, are fundamentally unstable and scammy business setups where you are supposed to recruit people to sell a product and all of you are trying to get customers, but really you are the customer because you have to pay to get involved and you make such little commission on selling the actual product that you're desperate to recruit more people under you. And eventually the whole thing collapses. So my guest today is Roberta Blevins, an anti-MLM advocate who has a podcast called Life After MLM and who's appeared on various programs like the documentary Lula Rich about the downfall of the leggings MLM Lula Roe. She was near the top of the pyramid, folks, so she saw the inside of what goes on in some of these companies. And honestly, it's even uglier than you may think. Let me tell you, this was an absolutely fascinating conversation to me. Roberta knows so much from her personal experience and also her advocacy, and it was eye-opening. We talk about the tactics MLMs use. We talk about the similarities to cults. We talk about taking advantage of vulnerable people and the psychological warfare that they use to entrap even people who usually know better. We tell you what you can do if you're trapped or if you're worried about somebody else and how you can help join the fight against this exploitation. And honestly, Roberta is hilarious, and it was simultaneously great fun and also a bit disheartening to go on this ride with her. So take a listen and tell me what you think. Except for those of you who want to send me scary notes signed by lawyers. Eh, I'm not encouraging that quite as much. 
So Roberta, I admire your work so much in terms of what you're doing, and I'm so glad to have you here today. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm, I love being able to talk to new audiences and open the minds of people that maybe have no idea what I do or have never even heard of this space at all. Yeah, so I think this will be a great introduction. So just to start out, I know some people have probably seen you in some of the documentaries about MLMs. I believe I saw you in Lula Rich probably was when I first had seen you. Why don't you tell us even how this story began for you and how you came to be involved in this? First of all, as an actual player in the game, before you even got to be an advocate to right. truth telling about it. Yeah, so I had grown up my whole life understanding, you know, MLMs. And for the most part, I thought most of them were scams. My mom and aunt had been really involved in Mary Kay growing up. Uh, my mom for like the tax write-offs and my aunt actually had a pink Cadillac. And, uh, oh, wow. you know, I had gone to like recruiting meetings with her as a teenager. And she was like, you would be perfect at this. And I was always like, I don't, I'm like, you know, I'm good. Like, I don't want to sell makeup. Uh, by trade, I was a hairstylist. And so there was always that, like, you could just put a catalog on your station and while people are processing, they can just fill out an order form sort of thing. And so I had been targeted by a lot of makeup and like beauty MLMs. And I just wanted to stay away because I'm kind of snobby when it comes to like my hair and beauty and all that just because of my industry. Uh, and I was like, I'm good. Thanks. But it wasn't until my dad died in 2013 that really... I started to spiral and a lot of times people will join these businesses because of a vulnerability or something like that and my father passing away who was i was a total daddy's girl was a huge huge turning point in my life and i had just gotten married or was just about to get married actually and i had just had a daughter mm -hmm. and it was just there was so much stuff going on and i was very very vulnerable i was feeling very much like my husband was like this is my wife and i was like i have a name it just i felt mm -hmm. very lost and I yeah. attribute it all back to this point of like losing my person, you know, and mm -hmm. um, the first person that sort of reached out to me where I actually was vulnerable enough to say yes was my cousin. And oftentimes that's mm -hmm. what happens. Somebody that you love, trust and know yes. really well reaches out because other people had reached out about this particular MLM and I had brushed mm -hmm. it off and I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'll check it out. Thanks. But when my cousin came, I was like, oh, I had already heard about it. I'd already seen other people on social media talking about it. So when my cousin, mm -hmm. someone that I trusted, someone that I really cared about came and was like, this is uh, this is what I'm doing. Are you interested? Yeah, I, I, I came into it with more of an open mind than I would have before. Right. Because she really provided some of that credibility. Right, absolutely. Somebody that you know and love. For yeah. Sure. And I was like, my cousin would never do anything shady. She would never do anything scammy. Maybe this one isn't scammy. And mm -hmm. from the moment I joined, I felt weird because the MLM mm -hmm. that I joined was this company called It Works Global. And I thought, one, the name was the stupidest name ever. And when people are like, oh, what do you sell? Mm -hmm. I'm like, it works. And it's like, they're like, oh, that's so clever. And I'm like, it's not, though. It's like kind of weird. Like, I don't know why a company would like mm -hmm. name itself that. I started to realize very quickly that I was selling the same exact thing as everyone else. And this was sort of like a pyramid scheme kind of thing. And I was like, this is a scam. Like, I don't want a replicated website. I don't want to sell diet supplements. At the time, it was the fat wraps, the crazy wrap thing mm -hmm. that everybody was like going off on. And I was like, ah. I faked before and after photos because I didn't have the results that I wanted to. And so, you know, like these are uh, things that we all do. These are all things right. that I've admitted and come clean about. And mm -hmm. I remember like taking a picture and then sucking it in and sort of standing up straighter to take the after the next day. And doing those yeah. things and also like 
don't forget to suck it in. Don't forget to wear tighter clothes. There's there's tricks, right? And I was seeing them yeah. firsthand. And because it was like, well, this is what you have to do. It didn't seem scammy. I was like, oh, I guess this is what you do in this industry. I guess this is how it is. Because there wasn't anybody mm-hmm. like me going, no, this is not how it is. This is not how this works. This is not what business is. There was nobody at that time that I had found that was saying anything like that. So yeah. I ended up leaving on my own a year later ish mm-hmm. LuLaRoe comes into the picture and again I'm a working from home stay-at-home mom kind of thing I would work in the evenings when my when my ex would get home and it was just mm-hmm. a lot of work <laughs> it was like a lot of work and I was also working yeah. out of town and I was like juggling I was the kind of person where like my husband's like hey paycheck to paycheck like we need to get groceries and I was like let me post on Facebook and see which one of my clients needs a haircut I can probably make some money go grocery shopping today like it was mm-hmm. that sort of desperation And I think a lot of people live that and it's a scary place to be. And so I knew that I could always make money when I needed to. But the problem was being a hairstylist took me out of the house. It took me out of being there on school days or field trips or anything that I wanted to be because I would go on the weekends. I would drive up to L.A. and I would do hair in L.A. over Mm -hmm. the weekends and I would miss all the really fun stuff. And so I was like, Mm -hmm. I can't do this anymore. I need to find something to just replace the LA income. What I make in three days in LA, I just need to find something that I can supplement Mm -hmm. to replace that. And at the same time that I was feeling that, I was feeling lost. I still was feeling lost because my dad still hadn't sort of gone into the mental health aspects of what had actually happened and how I was projecting and processing everything. And Mm -hmm. LuLaRoe came and it was like a friend who was like, these leggings are amazing. And I was like, I can never find a thick pair of leggings that are like, stay up Mm -hmm. and are cute and don't fade super fast. And and she goes, you got to try them. And she sent me a pair. And I put them on and they were hideous. They were like ridiculous flowers I would never wear outside. And I was like, these are so comfy. I'm going to look for a pair that I would actually wear outside. And so I Mm -hmm. I went on the hunt for the black leggings. It's like what you do, right? And uh, I'd never experienced anything in my entire life where I could not find a pair of black leggings. I was like, this is is wild. (laughs) What? And so I would join all these Facebook groups to try to snag these leggings. And in those moments, I'm watching this going, these women are selling a thousand dollars in leggings a night i could do this this is so mm-hmm. easy i can sell leggings like pff. i didn't understand anything ab- about this business model it didn't look mm-hmm. anything like it works it was very different and i was like i can do this it took some convincing from my husband like a long time uh months and months mm-hmm. i was put in contact with some people who were local here in california and san diego so that if i had questions about taxes or laws or anything like that i was talking to somebody who was local I got put mm-hmm. in touch with these people and really like weekly they would check in. Hey, is your husband? Does he need more uh, time? Can my husband talk to him? Does he want to see some financial documents? I can send him my bank statements. Like, do you want to see Do you what's going to get him comfortable with you joining this program? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And mm-hmm. I, I think I was just mopey. And I think he just gave in because he was just like, she's so mopey. Mm. She just wants to sell leggings. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> I'm, yeah. and like, what a weird dream that I was like, oh, like my life is over if I don't get to sell leggings from my couch. <laughs> and he was like, look, if you're going to do it, just go get your own bank account, go get your own everything and, and keep it completely separate of our family funds and do this and, and treat it like a real business and do this, what you're going to do. And I mean, I was like, okay. And I like ran and went to the bank and like got it all handled within 24 hours and had signed mm-hmm. everything and then was in the waiting list to join LuLaRoe. It took about six weeks. There was a massive influx of people who were joining at that time. If you've seen Lula Rich, they talk about Mario Lopez being at like this event. And I was mm-hmm. already considered joining at that time. And they're like, oh, you would have been able to come. It was so great. And I was like, oh, I missed out. I have to join immediately. And there was this huge mm-hmm. influx. So there was a six week wait. I get in, 
while I'm in, they call it the queue, which is just the line. While I'm in it, I've got people reaching out to me going, oh, you're joining LuLaRoe? Because we are then told, tell everyone you're gonna be a retailer, that it's coming, six weeks, six weeks, my inventory, you can't wait, join my group, whatever, like make it like FOMO, amazing, you have to get in here, right? And my friend goes, Mm -hmm. you know, I was thinking about, I was looking into that. Do you wanna do it together? And I was like, I've already signed up. She goes, well, can I sign up underneath you? I said, I think so, I don't know. I literally am still waiting, I haven't gotten anything. And she joined underneath me while I was in the queue. I had no idea what I was doing. I had someone underneath me before I ever joined Lulu. Yeah. Which probably seemed like such a success early on. Right. Like, oh my goodness, I'm not even in yet. And I've already got right. somebody downstream from me. Absolutely. And so I joined and a few, you know, a few days later, a week or so later, she joins. And because it was in the same month and her joining hit all of my minimums or whatever, I got a bonus check. There was never a time in LuLaRoe that I did not get a bonus check starting from the very first time I was able to get one leading up to the day that I left. I still was getting a bonus mm-hmm. check for every single one of those ones. I never not got one. Mm-hmm. The very, you know, the, the price varied. I think the first one was like around three or four hundred dollars. The biggest was like sixty five. And I think the last one I got was like twelve hundred. I mean, there's there's mm-hmm. an arc where you see this pyramid crumbling right. and, you know, you can see it in my bonus checks and I was seeing it, too. It was just a very wild situation where I'm like, okay, you're telling me one thing, the the money and the numbers are telling me something completely different. So I was in LuLaRoe for a long time. I joined at the peak. I had 75 women underneath me, not directly underneath me, but in my pyramid. Mm -hmm. My pyramid had 75 women with me at the top. And I was very close to ranking to the next rank. And then Mm -hmm. if you've seen Lula Rich, they talk about this 100% buyback. That happened. There was a lot of things that were happening. There was the whole like, we're trying to get away from being a pyramid scheme. This all happened in the beginning of 2017. And Mm -hmm. there was a mass exodus and influx of people. They had offered this 100% Mm -hmm. buyback thinking that everybody was going to stay on because there was no risk. And essentially what it did is every single person that was on the fence to leave left and every single person that was on the fence to join, joined. And it was, it it backfired. total switcheroo. It was totally wild. They didn't expect it at all. They ended up having to give over $50 million in refunds in the course of like six months. Wow. And they pulled the buyback, like, with no notice. They had told us the day before, a couple days before, it's not going anywhere. Don't worry. You can still join. You know, encourage people to join. Encourage people to buy. It's not going anywhere. And then, like, 48 hours on a Friday, 48 hours later on a Friday, they were like, ha JK. And that was actually the day that I had left. I had left LuLaRoe and resigned and had said, I'm not going to do this, like, three hours before that email came out. So... The email coming out, hitting my inbox was one, confirmation that I had done the right thing. And two, like it fueled me in a way that I did not expect because there were a lot Mm -hmm. of women who were on my team who were trying to get out. I was not going to get my money back because I was a leader and I had bonus checks. But there were women Mm -hmm. underneath me that needed that money for Christmas, for paying bills, whatever it was. And um, if you were not grandfathered in with shipping labels in hand, like if you had not received Mm -hmm. shipping labels which was like step two or three of this like ridiculously arduous process, you were not grandfathered in and you lost. So everybody that had spent all the money to pack everything up, package it the way that they had asked to make sure that it could be returnable, was not able to return it on the 100% buyback and they had to do a different program. It was a nightmare. And it really upset me because there were so many people that were counting on that money that got screwed. And not only was it that they were screwed, there was a huge line now. And some people like Mm -hmm. six months later still had not gotten refunds. And it was a complete and total nightmare. So I'm leaving. I'm realizing that there's not good stuff. 
I'm seeing what people are saying. I know that it's opposite of what I've been told by home office. And I start seeing it and my cognitive dissonance, which is that uncomfortable feeling that you get when two Mm -hmm. things that you believe are true are opposite of each other. And Mm -hmm. uh, I had this feeling and I was like, I can't do this. Like, this is wild. Something's going on. I didn't know it was a pyramid scheme. I didn't understand any of that. But I got these really weird, this really weird culty feeling. And I was like, they are trying to control me. They were excommunicating me because I wasn't doing what they were saying. They were spreading rumors. They were harassing me with phone calls, texts, um, like video calls saying, it makes me sad when you don't pick up the phone and things like that with like these just, it was just really horrible. Mm. And I, I was having like panic attacks on the daily and it was a nasty, nasty thing. And I, I signed off of the internet. So I'm not mm-hmm. gonna uh, check social media for a bit. I just need to decompress. I was still feeling these weird vibes. And I watched an episode of Aftermath with Mike Rinder and Leah Remini that was on my DVR. And in watching that and decompressing, I was like, oh, shit, I'm in a cult. And it it just Mm -hmm. everything connected. And I was like, this is a cult. So the first thought I had with MLM was this is a cult way before I thought this is a pyramid scheme. Again, I was successful. I was making money. I did not see it because I was too high up to see it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, then a multitude of things happened. But that's essentially my very, that's the nutshell version. If you want the whole thing, there's a couple documentaries about it. Yes. Yes. And I will say the Lula Rich documentary is riveting. But what strikes me that is so, so sad, actually, is that here's a situation where for once an MLM actually was told, hey, you have to give some refunds. And of course, they totally botched that, as you said, and you didn't have the shipping labels yet. You didn't get it or whatever. And so that totally went wrong. There are so many MLMs, the vast majority, where the people are not having any, mm-hmm. even any faulty opportunity for refunds. They have no opportunity for refunds whatsoever. And I think what's so striking is some of these psychological principles. Like it even started with this notion of when you were first in the queue, yeah. you know, and I'm thinking, Ooh, we call it the scarcity principle, right? Not everybody can get in yet. You have to wait your turn. So this must be something valuable. This must be something very, very special if you have to wait to get in. I mean, I think part of what is so fascinating to me about MLMs is they really know how to exploit human psychology. It's like they are experts. The leadership of these companies are experts in how to do that. And it starts with that first notion. This is something really cool. And our product is unique. These are really quality types of leggings, which is ironic because in my understanding, what led to the buyback is that the quality <laughs> was basically tissue paper yeah, at it some was, point. But in the beginning, the whole thing had wild. something to offer. Yeah. In the beginning, you're thinking these leggings do feel different. This is something quality. And it's worth it to me to spend time and energy trying to find black versions of these leggings because the fabric is so, so unique and all of this, it starts to kind of hook you in. And it does feel like something that I'm either part of or I'm not. And I've got to make this investment to be part of it. Absolutely. There's so much us versus them within MLM. And you see that again in high demand Mm -hmm. groups like cults or abusive relationships. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like there was so much scarcity marketing, FOMO. In fact, when you joined the queue in LuLaRoe, you got put into a Facebook group called the Q Club. 
and it was a it was a club it was all the people in the queue you know when you left you would leave when you joined like i'm gonna go uh and it was a queue club and it was this facebook group of everybody going well this is what you're gonna need you're gonna need racks and you're gonna need hangers and i like this brand and what brand do you like and what printer should i get and do you like this one and what about this and it was like it was really just a place where people could just sunk like just sink more money into LuLaRoe, but yes. not LuLaRoe, just their business to get them even more yeah. tied to this. Uh, that's yes. called the sunk cost fallacy. And so that happens a yes. lot in MLM, where before you're even joining this MLM, you are buying all of the stuff for it. I got a desk because I didn't have a desk. And I was like, I'm going to need a desk for my computer so I can sit and do shipping. Mm-hmm. I bought a desk and I bought like a bookcase to store my my leggings in and I bought a shipping printer and all the labels and all the packages and I went on USPS and I ordered all of the boxes and the you know it's all free but I ordered like I put myself on like an auto ship like send me a box once a month I'm gonna be doing this like this is gonna be crazy and it's being fueled by everybody else in the group well I just did it because this and this and this and there's no reality whatsoever it's just a bunch of really excited people who are all hopped up on dopamine encouraging Mm -hmm. each other like oh did you get this this is great this is going to be the best everybody's saying that this is going to save you time because you're going to be selling so much you're going to need this thermal printer that's like four hundred dollars it's going to make you it's going to save you so much time it's going to save you so much time it's going to be so much and you're Mm -hmm. just spending money so even at that point when you're like maybe i don't want to join lularoe you're like i'm a thousand dollars in already and i haven't even joined and that's where that sunk cost fallacy right. comes in because the idea is, well, I got to recoup that right. investment by digging myself into a deeper hole. Right. You know? I can't because- lose that $1,000 I just invested. <laughs> yes. I got to get my inventory and at least try to make my money back. Right. Never mind. That's going to lose me another $5,000. Right? But at the time, I think that I'm saving that sunk cost of 1000 Of course, it's already sunk. That's right. the problem. You know, you hit on something so striking to me right there, the idea that it is exciting. People weren't saying, oh, shoot, I have to spend $400 no. on a printer. What? They're saying, oh, I'm going to need a printer because I'm going to be making so many sales that I'm going to be printing these things out left and right. And this is my investment in my business. And this feels good. And I'm in this community of people who are exciting. And I think I've seen people get trapped by, I think they expect, well, if this is a scam, I would not be excited to participate. But instead, this is an investment in myself. And this is passionate for me. It is really fun to look at printers. It is really fun to rearrange my whole house to hold inventory. This is really, really exciting. And if it's really, really exciting, then it can't be bad. It can't be going somewhere negatively. Right. That's how another aspect of the trap. Absolutely. And the funny thing was, is we sold out Amazon on those printers. Like you could not get oh. those printers. Yeah. They, like people were on wait lists to get them. It mm-hmm. was just a stupid little tiny thermal printer. I mean, it was great yeah. for shipping labels. I get it. Like I, I got one and it worked out great. Yeah. But like it was wild that we're standing in mm-hmm. line being like, does anybody know when the printer is going to be back in stock? Or people making posts like printers are back in stock on Amazon. Grab it here if you want it. And everyone is using their Amazon affiliate links and nobody's telling anybody that that's what it is. And people are making all kinds of money because, I mean, oh, there's so much shady yes. stuff going on in this group. There are people yeah. that there were people in there because there was a legging shortage. I think they mentioned that Lula Rich. There was a legging shortage. I don't believe it was real, but there was quote a legging shortage for a while and you could not get leggings. And so what people were doing is they were going into these groups and they were begging. They were like, look, I'm onboarding in a week. I was one of the people that couldn't get leggings when I joined. I couldn't get any leggings. Does anybody have any extra leggings that I can buy from you? So I'm not getting brand new leggings that no one has 
picked through yet. Mm-hmm. I'm getting leggings from someone who's had multiple sales with them. And I'm like, oh, yeah, just send me a mix. Like, don't even worry about it. So this person who doesn't know me from anyone is like, she's going to give me $100 to send her however many leggings that was, like sight unseen. Okay, I got the ugliest stuff, but I had no choice. I had no choice. I didn't have leggings, which was the entire reason yeah. I joined LuLaRoe in the first place. I didn't care about selling dresses and skirts and shirts and pants and all these other things. I just wanted to sell leggings, the stretchy leggings, mm-hmm. the mom pants. I wanted that. I didn't want jeans yeah. or anything. And I didn't really have a choice. There was no way to join without buying all this other clothes. And then in that, I'm like, well, now I'm going to have to get racks and all of this stuff. And it just, it was never really what we signed up for. And mm-hmm. I also felt like there's this, this thing where I talk about dangling the golden carrot a lot of my podcast where they're like saying, just anybody who can just do this, you know, like you can qualify. And there were so many times where I would get stuck in that, that cycle of like, oh, there's an event coming up that I'm going to have to qualify to get to. I've got to do this for three months. And I would qualify. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, sweet. Like when they make the announcement of who's going to get invited, like I know I'm going to qualify. And then they would be like, well, unfortunately, this year we had a lot of people. And so, you know, this particular tier, the one I was in, isn't invited this year. And I'm like, so I busted mm-hmm. my to go to this event, like the Mario Lopez type event. And they bumped it. And they were like, no, anybody at this level can't go. Like, you're going to have to level to the next level to be able to go. And these events Mm -hmm. are training events, right? So why does the top of the pyramid need to know what they're already, you know what I mean? Like, I would feel that the people that are going to these training events should have been lower level people. But again, it was all like this hierarchy and this cult and this like control of like, don't you want to be here with us? Don't you want to be a part of this? Don't you want to wear the best clothes and hang out with the most popular people? Mm -hmm. Deanne was all about like exalting people to the top to be like, look at how amazing. She had nicknames for all of us. You wanted to be on stage. You wanted to be the person Mm -hmm. that was on the, the calls and the events and to be someone who was someone. And Mm -hmm. there were a lot of stipulations and regulations that went around with being that someone that was not privy to anybody who was vying for the spot. You didn't know to be that person on stage that you had to be a size medium. And if you weren't a size medium, then you could go to Tijuana because we have a hookup and you can just get weight loss surgery to become a size medium. And then you can go on and then you can go on the stage. And then, you know, there were again, I'm going to say this is alleged because it didn't happen to me, but it did happen to my friend backstage having the jitters and being handed out things like Xanax like oh here just take a Xanax it'll help you on stage to people that are not (laughs) that don't take Xanax are not prescribed Xanax don't have a doctor saying hey Xanax is okay for you to take and they're passing these things around and it's just there were so many things allegedly what did not happen to me but Mm -hmm. I've heard multiple stories of that happening so you know take whatever with a grain of salt but that's the kind of stuff that would happen and I didn't sign up for that I wanted to sell leggings on my couch so I didn't have to drive to L.A. once a month. So I wasn't going to miss my daughter's Christmas recital or whatever, you know? That's what it was. Mm -hmm. And I became a completely different person. I became so focused on wanting to be that person on stage, wanting to be that person that was put in the top, that was so important, that everybody cared about. Like, I became a completely different person. It wasn't anything that I recognized. I was like, who am I? Looking back on it now, I say, who Mm -hmm. am I? In the moment, I was like, you don't understand who I am. You know, it's just very strange uh, situation where I was a total slave to dopamine addiction and serotonin Mm -hmm. addiction. Like, I was completely addicted and manipulated by my own chemicals to maintain Mm -hmm. this level of fraud, essentially. Well, they created that aspiration 
in you, at least they cultivated it so much. I mean, everything that you describe is, it's so cool, like, because it's this mindset, if only you work a little bit harder, if only you do this a little bit more, you're going to be even more belonging. You're going to be one of us. You can aspire (laughs) to this. And and this notion that it says something about you as a person, if you're going to be able to get up on that stage, you have achieved. I think what MLMs, and I'm sure you see this all the time, what they all seem to have in common is that it's very much this ethos of if you try hard enough and you have the character you're going to be able yeah. to exceed, succeed. Never mind the entire business model basically falls apart because you're recruiting your own competition and nobody's making any money, but your character is what's going to get you ahead. And I'm thinking about all the ways that in order to make you want more, they have to break you down. Yeah. They have to make you feel like you're not enough quite yet. You're enough in some ways. Actually, you're never enough. Good job on this. But (laughs) But if you really want to be enough, then you'll do this. And like you said, there's these little hits of dopamine. Ooh, I did get a bonus. And let the listeners be clear. Most people are not getting anywhere near a monthly bonus. Most people are writing monthly checks and having monthly charges. But those little bits of positive reinforcement. Ooh, you're doing something right. It's not quite sufficient yet, but it could be because you show signs of being something special. Absolutely. It's a total meritocracy. It's bootstrap culture. It's hustle culture. It's boss babe culture. Mm -hmm. It doesn't allow for any breaks, mental health or physical. If you get sick, you work Mm -hmm. through it. You know, one of the one of the cornerstones of MLM is like, you can work wherever you want. Like you have all this freedom of your time. And I'm like, I don't want to work on vacation. I don't want to do that. Like, I want to relax and enjoy. Like, I don't want to have to do that. Mm -hmm. I want to work when I want to work. And then when I'm done, I go, okay, I'm going to put this away. And you don't get to have that in MLM because if something doesn't go right, well, they ask, well, what did you do last night? They're like, well, I went to bed. Well, see, I stayed up and I booked three parties. And like, if you would have stayed up and booked three parties, like, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. And so it's a lot of like, you're not doing enough. If there's any fault and there's anything that goes wrong, it's you. What did you do wrong? Which, again, like, if you look into any cults, like, that's a a cornerstone of Scientology, too. Like, look inside. Mm -hmm. You must have willed this. You must have run someone over with your car in a past life to be getting this now. Like, it's the same, Mm -hmm. not as extreme, but it is the Mm -hmm. same kind of emotional abuse. Yeah, you don't want this enough, you know, which yeah. is so ironic because I think a lot of people who are attracted to MLMs do have an entrepreneurial spirit, are hardworking, Absolutely. are juggling many tasks. I mean, obviously, you are a very hardworking person, and, and we see that right now. My goodness, everything that you're doing in terms of being an activist about this. And yet it's almost like because the business model is so doomed to fail. Right. They just have a party line of, well, it's still your fault that this didn't work. And they're saying that to people who are trying so, so, so hard and who went into this precisely because they thought if they worked hard enough, they could succeed because they thought this would be something that can fit into my life with children and I can, quote unquote, work from anywhere. Well, now it turns out I'm working from everywhere and it's not working because the business model is inherently broken, but it must be that I just need to pay an extra amount to have this inventory or this printer or lose these many hours of sleep. And if I do that, then I'll get, I'll book one extra party and then I'll finally be rising in the ranks and we'll get some attention. It's so 
heartbreaking because it's gaslighting on some level, right? Yeah. It's the higher level folks gaslighting the lower level folks to think that they are inherently flawed. And so what they're really selling at that point is the idea that you have to work even harder because there's something wrong with you. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's wild to me because I see it all the time that people put all this effort and energy into the MLM. And if they fail, it's their fault. But if they succeed, it's the MLM that did it. It's not them. So even when you yes. succeed, it's not your success. It's because you mm -hmm. listen to your upline who listened to their upline who this is how it works and you did what we said and see I told you messaging a hundred person would eventually get you someone to join like it's just this it's not real it's not real and the other thing is they like to say it's a it's a level playing field like everybody can join anyone can surpass anybody anybody can rank up and join but it's not a level playing field I've been near mm -hmm. the top I was not at the top but I was near the top and it was not level at all there were people that had mm -hmm. private phone numbers to the warehouse who could call and say, you know what, that one print is selling like crazy. Can we get 200 more? And they would overnight it to them. So how is that mm -hmm. fair? I don't have a number so I can sell that. I can do that. These are the top sellers. And these top sellers would break <laughs> regular rules. They would go against PMP. They would be ab abhorrent and, and rude to customers. They would mm -hmm. do ridiculous things and act in ways that you were like, you know, people can see you, right? And mm. LuLaRoe would excuse it all because they made them a lot of money. And I'm like, you don't get to abuse people and let these people abuse people and say, oh, they're so wonderful and put them on the webinars and have them speak at events. And then these other people, like, it, it's just, it was insane. I, I hate mm -hmm. to use that word because it can be ableist, but it really was. And from a mental health standpoint, I'm standing there going, yeah. I'm being gaslit. This isn't fair. This isn't real. This is not what's happening. You're telling people this. I know what's happening. You don't get to mm -hmm. lie to people. Like, what? I was watching mm -hmm. it happen with my own eyes and my cognitive bias was like, something is up. It's not a level playing field. There are so many mm -hmm. things that go beyond behind the scenes in the industry of MLM that is so much mm -hmm. more than just like Betty Sue deciding to spend $99 on a kit to sell whatever. Yeah. There are lifers that are in. There are companies mm -hmm. that will get indicted, will be forced to close down, and they will regroup, rebrand, and reopen a month or two, a year yeah. later, once once the lawsuit is like the cooling off period is done and they can get back in and start another MLM and start another scam and start another pyramid scheme and start another cult and keep going. Keith Ranieri, mm -hmm. who started Nexium, he was part mm -hmm. of Amway first. And then he, he started his own MLM because he realized the only way to make money in an MLM was actually to own one. And his MLM was shut down for being a pyramid scheme and he was barred from ever participating in an MLM ever again. And yet he still mm -hmm. was able to open two more. And one of them was Nexium, And he is now in prison mm -hmm. for operating a sex cult and sex trafficking of minors. Okay? This man is a scammer. He somehow, the government was like, you don't get to participate in MLMs anymore. And he still was able to do it because he used Nancy Salzman's name instead of his own. He was never on any of the paperwork, but he ran it as the vanguard. And this is what happens in MLMs. It happens all the time. This is what I see. And I'm like... Then he went to this MLM. Then he went to this MLM. Then he yep. went to this scam. And now he's in prison. It happens mm -hmm. constantly. There was an episode I just did. And one of my listeners was like, this guy's still at it. And she sent me a link to something that this dude was doing last year. Oh, good grief. Still scamming people. 
And I'm yeah. just like, these people are serial scammers. I've been telling mm-hmm. stories on the podcast and calling them the scam fathers and telling the history of these people yeah. because they are so connected. I tell these history stories and all of a sudden there's this name again. There's this name again. Oh, he's the founder of this MLM that turned into this MLM. It's connected to Amway and Amway is the reason these are legal. Wow. It's all connected. It is so insidious and it is so bad and people don't understand. Mm-hmm. They think it's just like, oh, I just joined a company. I just wanted to sell lipstick, but I'm, I guess I found out I'm not a sales lady. And I was like, no, no, mm-hmm. you are participating in a legal pyramid scheme in which the MLM industry is a $178 billion industry. It is like a massive number. It is more than mm-hmm. the NFL, Hollywood, and the music industry combined. MLM. Wow. And that is not in the hands of the people at the bottom of the pyramid. What I'm thinking as I listen to this is these guys or some women that are at the top of the pyramid or starting the companies go from company to company, from scam to scam. And a lot of the survivors and victims do too, because that whole internalized blame, like, well, it was my fault I didn't succeed at LuLaRoe. But if I regroup and do it with this other product, now I'm going to sell these essential oils and I'm going to be okay because it was my fault before. And also the shame and silence is what keeps people, you know, I would love to think that everybody who's been burned by these comes out and they, (laughs) if, if not starting a podcast like you, they are able to say, you know what, that model is flawed. I regret doing it. I'm not doing something like that again, but I'm imagining a lot of folks go from one to the other because they have internalized the blame and they're ashamed. They don't want to say, oh, the reason why you don't see me posting about this anymore is because actually I lost $7,000 on this, but I'm secretly blaming myself and thinking it's my fault. And so I'm not going to speak up against these companies because I think it's my fault. But maybe I now I'm $7,000 in the hole, but maybe when this next opportunity comes along, I mean, it seems like it happened to you to some extent, right? You got a weird feeling about it works, but... That didn't necessarily translate into being skeptical about LuLaRoe. Right. Yeah, it looked different. You know, there's a reason Mm -hmm. that MLMs look different from each other. There's a reason they sell different things. Mm -hmm. Some have websites. Some don't. Some do party plans. Some don't. Some are a binary comp plan. Some aren't. And they look different. But at the end of the day, like, they're exactly the same. And they only look different to trick you. (laughs) Yeah. And I've made, they've sort of, like, made the joke before of, like, you know, like, that kid in the neighborhood that, like, changes Halloween mm-hmm. costumes and goes trick-or-treating again. It's that. <laughs> it's that kid. He's changing his costume in your driveway and coming back up and taking more candy. Like, it's the same thing. It's over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's very uh, systemic. It's built to fail. And by failing, mm-hmm. you are succeeding the system because it is built to fail. 99.7% yes. of people, when all is said and done, will lose money in an MLM. 99.7. I mean, people need to really think about what that number yeah. means. You know, it means what? Three out of a thousand people will make money and that's it. If my math is right at that. Yeah. <laughs> right? And the MLM and all of the top women or men, mm-hmm. uh, although MLM is about 75% women, so it's mostly women, but all of the top people at the top of the pyramids, you know, they're flaunting their cars, they're flaunting their Louis, they're flaunting their lake houses, they're flaunting their trips that they win or the trips they can afford to go on because of all of this. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, I want to be just like Becky. Becky has everything. Becky's so great. But everyone is worshiping the same person. There's not a million Beckys. There's one. There's one Becky at the very, very top of the pyramid. And so 99.7% of people are going to lose trying to become Becky, unfortunately. 
gambling yeah gambling taking a hundred dollar bill and sticking in a slot machine in vegas it's only a 95 percent loss rate so you actually have a right. better chance of making your money back in vegas than joining an mlm mm-hmm. and in in a legal yeah. pyramid scheme the ones that they say oh those are illegal you know like the secret sister gift exchanges or like pyramid schemes right. that are not protected by the government because that's literally the only difference those have a 90 0.7% success rate. So you have a 9% wow. better chance of being in an illegal one yeah. than the one that is protected by the government. And the government knows this. And the government knows these numbers. And they see these numbers. And they make excuses for these numbers. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, the, you, numbers don't lie, but people do. And so these yeah. MLMs will be like, well, that's not what that number means. That There's a lot of people that join that just join for the discount. So those numbers are skewed. And I was like, it's t- yeah. you know, it's still Ugh. really, really bad. Like even it's just horrible. And I think if people really were to look at those numbers and say only this amount of people actually make money and then actually what they make, you can go on to any income disclosure. If an MLM doesn't have one, that's a mm-hmm. red flag. But you can search any MLM's name and then search IDS or income disclosure statement. And hopefully it pops up. A lot of times you have to go to like Google Images to find them. But look at what people are making and the percentage of people that are making. It's like always 92 to 96 or so at the top of this little chart that are making nothing and then as you go down the chart Mm -hmm. it's a pyramid it gets the numbers get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and you're seeing these people are making six figures hundreds of thousands of dollars a month but you look Mm -hmm. and it's like you know two people in the company are doing this right (laughs) but that's where that aspirational part comes in because there's a part of me that says i could be that i'm not average i could be that person i'm a hard worker I'm not average. I'm a hard worker. I, you know, know this and I'm good at this and I'm great at marketing and I love lipstick and this is going to be easy. I'm a rock star. And no one wants to believe that they're average. No one wants to believe that they're going to fail. No one wants to believe that this is a scam. No one wants to believe that they're wrong. And it's really, really hard to admit that. I will say there's an entire community of people that have admitted it and you're not alone at all. But it's really, really hard to admit that and to admit that you were part of something and that you got sucked into something and that it was harmful. But Mm -hmm. it's not your fault. They are designed this way. And if you were to take one person and say, I'm going to teach you how to join this MLM and all you have to do is get five people. That's all you got to do, right? Mm -hmm. You get five people and then teach them how to get five people. Who doesn't know five people? That's like... (laughs) You could do this on Christmas dinner. Ask five people and then they can ask five people. So doing that successfully, and that means everyone joins, everyone gets five people, everyone moves on, which like will never happen in a million years. But if it were to happen perfectly, and this is just one MLM, not all, not the entire industry, just one MLM. If you join and get five people to join, five people to get five people, five people, after 14 levels, you will run out of people on earth. Yes, that's the way that exponential growth works, isn't it? Yeah, so and it's shocking. In 15 levels with one MLM, we've now exceeded the population of the Earth. And we've got to ask mm-hmm. Elon when we're going to get to Mars because we got MLMs to sell up there. And then secondly, yeah. <laughs> it's like there's more than one MLM in the world. There are hundreds, hundreds yes. that are active and thousands that have come before. So the numbers are not on anybody's side. And I wish there was someone like me who was compassionate Mm -hmm. and saying, look, 
I just want you to look at the numbers. You can still join your MLM if you want. I'm not here mm-hmm. to tell you to quit. I'm not here to tell you that you're a bad person. I'm not here to tell you you're stupid. Enough people told me I was stupid when I left. There were people on the outside that were like, you're stupid for joining. And there were people on the inside uh. who were like, you're stupid for leaving. And I knew yeah. I wasn't either of those things. I knew it was so yeah. much bigger than what I was. And when I left and started talking, there were a lot of people in comment sections who would blame me. Well, you're an idiot if you didn't know this is a pyramid scheme. And I I think people don't understand that not everybody's the same and not everybody has the same life experience or can see things the same way that other people do. And all it takes is being vulnerable. My father died, Mm y'all, 10 days before my wedding. I walked down the aisle with his ashes, Mm. okay? I was in a place where anything could help me, I will do it because Mm -hmm. I was just the the lowest I'd ever been in my entire life. And I just needed someone. And I don't blame my cousin. And she's out of it works. And she's like, it's a scam. And she listens and, and follows along too. And it's a big joke now. Mm-hmm. But I was vulnerable. And I, I hear people yeah. all the time that are like, oh, you're stupid. No, I wasn't. I was looking mm-hmm. for something bigger than myself. And if there's anybody out there listening who has never done that, you're a liar. Because everybody is just looking for a little bit more. There's a struggle. It's just, I just want it to be a little better. Mm. If I could just make $100 extra to just take care of that bill, it wouldn't be a problem. If I could just do just a little bit more, if I could just work from home so I could be here mm-hmm. with my sick child or my, my, my elderly parents I take, whatever it is, there are so many things. And there are so many ways to be vulnerable. And these MLMs target everyone. They target marginalized yeah. communities. They target people of color. They target disabilities. Yes. I have an episode coming about mm-hmm. coming up about we, we talked to autism parents in the episode because these MLMs mm-hmm. are targeting you to, quote unquote, Ugh. fix your child. And we talk about that, how Ugh. they target even the parents. There's pet MLMs that are out there targeting dog moms now. So for mm-hmm. me to be able to say this is a scam and to tell these stories and not to slander anyone or even slander companies. I mean, there's a little bit of joking around, you know, but... It's the same story. It doesn't matter if it's Mary Kay or Mella Luca or Lula Rowe or uh, Isagenix or mm-hmm. what Amway. It doesn't matter. The stories are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And like that's what I was so, I worked so hard to make sure that people understood that they're not, not everyone is stupid. Because at that point, if we're all mm-hmm. stupid, then none of us are stupid. Stupid doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not us. Mm-hmm. It is a systemic scam. It is built this yes. way. And when people go, hey, this is a scam, the government goes, well, no, because technically it's not because we said it in 1979, we said it was not a scam. And so we're going to stick by Ugh. that. And any time yeah. that we have tried with the FTC to change laws, change the business opportunity rule, change these things, get like boots on the ground, the MLM is right behind just negotiating themselves out of the rule in the first place. They were The business opportunity rule yeah. from the FTC was created for sort of this purpose and MLM successfully negotiated mm-hmm. themselves out of even being opted in. So right now the business opportunity <sighs> rule is up for sort of like reconsideration. And so that's what we're doing right now is we're really pushing this information to leave your experiences with the FTC and let the FTC know that these are scams because they want to hear personal stories. They want to know how people have been affected by these things and why these rules should be changed. And that's where there's strength in numbers for people to really speak out loudly. And even if you haven't told your family how much you regret it, and even if you are embarrassed and won't post on Facebook that you're done selling that stuff, you could tell your story to the FTC and be part of 
a sea change. Hopefully, I mean, I'm cynical about it, judging by, you know, how much the government has shown some inaction on this. But, you know, part of what strikes me is when you're talking about the judgment, judgment, judgment. Oh, why would you do that in the first place? You know, and I, I see some of that cynicism among people who understand the scam level and then they blame the victim. Right. And I think so much of it is really not understanding how much psychological warfare is going on. I mean, these are the same tactics that political candidates use, that cult leaders use, mm -hmm. that drug dealers use, that abusive partners use. I mean, these are well-known psychological principles that work on many, 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 many people. Yeah. Intelligence having nothing to do with it. You know, we want to belong. We want to feel like there's hope. We want to have a sense of purpose. We want to care for our families and be able to maneuver that somehow while still earning income. All of these things. And then they're exploited with literally psychological warfare, mm -hmm. as I see it. So I would urge anyone listening right now who who says, you know, oh, MLMs, they're so horrible and, and it's so dumb. And I can't believe how many people get involved in it. Let's think of the mechanism by which this happens and stop blaming the survivors, because the more that we blame the survivors of these situations and the victims of these situations, the less we are able to hear their stories and have them speak out and actually recognize how this works, yeah. because people are vulnerable to this in large, large, large numbers. I mean, I know, you know, it's the cliche about, oh, here's the high school friend right. sending me a direct message. Must be she's getting ready to sell something. But I also try to think, okay, what's going on for this person right, right now? Is she a lonely stay-at-home parent who feels like she's not contributing income? Has she just had some sort of loss where she's trying to find a purpose? Is she regretful that her career isn't turning out the way it was and she thinks maybe this is a way of flexing her entrepreneurial muscle? You know, Is she under the pressure of her sister who is so desperate to be able to recoup her investment that she's been pressuring her for six months? Absolutely. All of these are very real human pressures that I see. And I think empathy, we have to have empathy because because otherwise this problem is going to still stay so silent and shameful and under wraps. But one thing maybe we can empower people with, you know, I'm curious to hear your take on, let's say somebody recognizes, yep, pyramid schemes, bad. MLMs, some of them are pyramid schemes, some of them are not. And I know some of these MLM, MLMs specifically devote parts of their websites to saying, you know, oh, yeah. here's why we're not a pyramid scheme, <laughs> despite literally being a pyramid and a scheme for you to get right. people under you to sell stuff. What are, the, what are the first steps in trying to recognize, hmm, is what I'm getting involved in something of a scam? Is what I'm getting involved in an MLM that is a shady pyramid scheme? And I don't even know enough to say MLMs, are they pretty much all pyramid schemes? I know most of them would say not. I would say yes. Are there some? Okay. <laughs> I, it's a relief to hear you say that. And yes. again, I'm not some business expert about the structure, but part of me is saying, okay, multi-level marketing. And I'll make sure when I, when I go back and do the intro to the show that we define MLM as multi-level marketing. By definition, if those levels involve recruiting people recruiting. under you who are going to recruit under me. And isn't something of the definition still to having to do with the fact that are you going to be making money selling products or are you also going to be making money selling the idea of someone right. selling right. products, right? So that's always that's always the excuse, right? Like, well, mm -hmm. we have a product, so we're not a pyramid scheme because pyramid schemes don't have a product. But the product is just sort of like a loophole 
So instead of exchanging money, you're exchanging money for products and then products for money. Mm-hmm. And so the product is just like a loophole. Yeah. It's still a pyramid scheme. It still works the exact same way. If there's an emphasis on recruiting, which there is, then it's a pyramid scheme. Mm-hmm. Uh, another red flag for you if you're looking into something, just ask, say, is this a pyramid scheme? Like literally just just mm-hmm. do it, right? Just say it. And what they say will be very telling. Because someone, if you went mm-hmm. to Target, and you were, you know, getting a job at Target, and you're like, oh, by the way, Target, is this a pyramid scheme? They would go, <laughs> they would go I'm sorry, what? They would be like, that's hilarious. No, obviously, this is a corporation. Uh, but if you right. ask an MLM, oh, a, a real quick question, is this a pyramid scheme? You will get a diatribe of why it yes. is not a pyramid scheme, why pyramid schemes yes. are illegal, why I would never do anything illegal. How dare you think that I would ever do anything mm-hmm. illegal or put my family at risk in any sort of illegal situation. Pyramid schemes are illegal and I'm just, I don't want this negativity and I'm going to block you now. And you will see, mm-hmm. you will, I mean, literally is there is only one kind of business that teaches you what to say when someone asks you if you're a pyramid scheme and it's pyramid mm-hmm. schemes. <laughs> You know, it's so funny, but it's so it's true, true, right? I mean, it brings to mind Shakespeare and my lady doth protest too much, right? <laughs> if, if there is a company line that is 20 bullet points long right. about why you are not a pyramid scheme, that means enough people have been noting the fact that you right. definitely resemble a pyramid scheme very, very strongly. A lot of times they have it on their FAQ on their website, so you don't even have to ask anyone. It'll be like, is this a pyramid scheme? Yeah. And they will be like, according to the FTC. And I'm like, if you have to like have this huge disclaimer of why you're not technically a pyramid scheme and why this is totally legal and totally fine, then you're a pyramid scheme. Like I don't like it. That is the basic Mm -hmm. most red flag that's just like slapping you in the face. Right. That's the first Mm -hmm. one, I think. Yeah. Uh, The second one is going to be the emphasis on recruiting. Because mm-hmm. you cannot make money, really. You can make money. You know, you might be able to buy your coffee for the month. You might be able to pay yeah. one bill, right? Yeah. But you are not making yeah. substantial money in an MLM with only selling product. I have mm-hmm. been a hairstylist for a long time. The commission that I made in the salon was anywhere, depending on my position, from like 40 to 75%. I've ne- mm-hmm. like The commissions on MLM products for, for selling is like... 10%, like, mm-hmm. and it goes up. Oh, well, you hit this rank. Well, now you unlock two more percentages. Now you make 17% mm-hmm. on commission. You can unlock up to 35% commission. And I'm like, that's still not great commission. And when yeah. you look at who you have to be to make the 35% commission on sales, you've got to be at like the top of the pyramid. Like, so there's a lot of things mm-hmm. like that. When you look at these comp plans and IDSs that you can look and go, this doesn't make any sense. I have to be mm-hmm. here. A lot of times they're like, well, it's not about recruiting. Anyone can join. But if you look at their compensation plan, people mm-hmm. above the first or second rank, you have to have people underneath you to even be able to hit those ranks. You have to have one, two, mm-hmm. three people. And that means you have to recruit. And a lot of times they won't say that you have to have a certain amount of people, but they'll say that you have to have a certain amount of PV or GV, which is like personal volume, group volume. They're all different. It's intentionally Mm. confusing to keep Mm -hmm. people from asking questions. Like, oh, I I guess I just don't understand. I'll just keep quiet because I don't want anybody to know I'm stupid because everyone's saying how easy it is. So I guess I'm just the dumb one. So people keep quiet because of that as well. But you look at this Mm -hmm. and you realize that while you're in an MLM, that the percentage of sales is so low that to make any real money, you have to have a team because you need that bonus, right? And then this Mm -hmm. is where... This is this phenomenon that I, I, I only see in abusive situations. The victim becomes the perpetrator. 
and then yes. pulls more people in because the last ones in will never make any money. The last person mm-hmm. recruited at the bottom of the pyramid scheme, they're not going right. to make any money. Right. Because desperation right. starts to set in, right? It's like, I wouldn't normally hit my friends up so hard right. to join this, but oh my God, I am down $5,000 and I have Christmas gifts to buy. Right. Right. And there's a lot of times we'll, what will happen is people that are even, you know, you, you've got a friend, everybody's got a friend that's got the car or is like super high up and she's going on all the trips. You see it on social media. She's super high up. It's all over her Facebook, you know, like promoter with Lavelle or whatever it is. Like everybody listening has someone like that, right? If you go and you look, and again, like you're not really going to know, but the lifestyle that they're posting on social media most likely is not real. And most likely it is all FOMO and for show, fake it till you make it. Because unfortunately, you have to look successful for people to want to be underneath you and to stick around. So you have to continue to fake it till you make it. And a lot of times you might have a bonus check, right? You might have like, we'll say like a $6,000 bonus check, which is a pretty good bonus check. You're like, oh, I really need that money. I really need that money. Got a bunch of bills to pay. That $6,000 would be really great. But I've been so busy with all these other things and my business has been suffering and it's totally my fault because like I haven't all the reasons that people give, right? (laughs) And my business has been Mm -hmm. suffering. And so I haven't been able to make the sales and I have two days until the end of the month and I need to sell $1,000 worth of clothes or $1,000 worth of lipstick Mm -hmm. or I need $1,000 in sales. Mm -hmm. So what I'm going to do, because I can't leave that $6,000 on the table, I'm going to spend $1,000. And mm-hmm. instead of getting a $6,000 bonus, it'll just recoup and it'll be a $5,000 bonus. But I'm not going to lose that $5,000 because I really need that money. So I am now going to spend yes. an additional $1,000 and buy mm-hmm. lipstick, leggings, dresses, protein powder, drink mixes, makeup kits, whatever it is to hit those mm-hmm. numbers to qualify to get that bonus. And you've got all these boxes. Where do they go? They go in your garage. They go in your garage yeah. and you can't sell it. Maybe you give them away as presents. Maybe you give them away as gifts for Christmas. If you if you have a lot of MLM friends that are just like giving away tons of MLM gifts, it's probably because they have way too much inventory and no money. So again, mm-hmm. like giving this stuff out. Also, another thing that's really, really unfortunate, the expiration date on MLM products is notoriously low. So things oh, expire geez. very quick. So then you have to purchase it again. It is You are the true customer. Absolutely, 100% mm-hmm. from the get-go, you are the true customer. And people don't understand that. And that's where the pyramid scheme comes in, right? Yes, that is so key. No real business is like, if you're an accountant, they're like, you haven't done enough taxes. You haven't filled enough tax forms. You haven't filed people's taxes. You need to file 10 more taxes before we pay you. And you're like, oh my God, I'll just fake 10 tax forms. Like that's not happening anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, people might be faking things in other industries, but not to the level that is being faked in Mm -hmm. MLM. And if you are listening to this and going, oh my God, I'm a teacher, it's just like this. Or, oh my God, I work in healthcare and it's just like this or whatever. Yeah, those are those culty, high demand vibes. Like it's probably not an MLM, especially if it's a corporation, Mm -hmm. but it might be culty. And so even looking into Mm -hmm. that and being aware of the red flags and what's happening to you in those situations because they feel the same because they're all, they all have the same sort of coercive, high demand control. Even in work, like you're gonna have to work overtime, you're gonna have to come in on your day off. Like it's a lot of that. And again, it goes right into that hustle culture and that boss babe culture. And we've allowed it to happen. Because like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. I'll work there. I'll, I'll come in on my day off. I'll cover for so-and-so, whatever. And it, it, I don't know who needs to stop for it to stop. But like, I feel like we all just need to collectively stop setting ourselves on fire to keep other people warm. 
and like just be like sorry yeah. i don't get paid for this like i'm not coming in i'm not doing this i'm not mm-hmm. struggling i'm not hustling i'm not no because it's not yeah. okay it's not normal and it's i see it in so many other industries but it's really really ripe in mlm the the hustle culture yes. of i'll do anything to make it even if i'm living in a van down by the river and, and having to mm-hmm. get government assistance because everything i'm putting into my when, when people hear about like i put everything into my small business to get here like that's not what that is mm-hmm. like there's such a difference between yeah. an actual real small business and having the passion for what you're doing and bending over backwards and literally killing yourself for someone else who doesn't care about you at all. And I've never really seen that anywhere in, mm. aside from like cults, high demand groups, yes. MLMs, some religions, I don't want to be offensive, but there's a lot of religions like mm-hmm. that as well. Gurus, yeah. lifestyle gurus, sometimes gyms yes. can be real culty like this too. And so it's just really, really important for people to understand what the red flags are so they can kind of dissect them and go, well, this is kind of like a culty red flag, but like just sort of the environment versus like, uh oh, this is a scam. Oh, I mean, that's such an important point that there's this parallel, I think, in some industries in terms of you've got to give everything to this job. And there's no you in terms of home life versus work life. And of course, with the pandemic, it's even worse because it's blurred. So many of us that are working more from home, it's completely obliterated any kind of ability to say, no, this is my time off. But I think it's also such an important distinction, at least the jobs where you're getting paid for your time. Not to say those can't be horrible and abusive and cult-like, but what strikes me so much about MLMs is people very early get into a situation where they are getting used to the fact that they are not getting paid at all for their time. And lots of people in sales might not get paid until a commission comes, but that's different than when the whole thing that you're selling is trying to sell someone else on selling the product, right? Right, right. And that's, there's the distinction, right? Like me as a podcaster Mm -hmm. who works with advertisers, I'm not trying to get other podcasters to work with those advertisers so that I get more ad space with that advertiser. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it's a transaction between the two of us. We do it at the end. They're not harassing me. I'm not harassing them. It is a transaction. Mm -hmm. The end, you asked for something, I delivered. Right. Well, it's like what you said about the exponential growth, right? In the way the whole shape of the pyramid is, you are recruiting your competition and customers run out. Right. At some point, if somebody's got four friends selling LuLaRoe, guess what? It doesn't matter who's downstream, who's upstream, whatever. You're getting less of the pie. Right. What other business are we recruiting our own competition? That does not make any sense. Right. Right. That doesn't make any sense. And yet that is the fundamental idea behind MLMs because it's not about the product. Like you said, it seems like it's about the product because, ooh, this fabric, at least for a brief moment in time, is good fabric before it goes totally south and people's crotches are showing because the seam has ripped, right? But for this brief moment of time, it seems like the fabric is what this is all about. No, it was never about the fabric. It was about you having to hit up your friends in order for them to make the investment in this company. Right. Oh, and it's so sad because I think it doesn't seem to be, and and maybe you can tell me I'm wrong on this, I hope so, but it doesn't seem to be getting better. It seems like these folks are sort of jumping around in terms of the tops of these organizations. They're finding new ways to brand themselves. They're finding new ways to manipulate. They're using social media in different ways. No doubt, you know, in the old days of Mary Kay and Amway, people weren't having their phone in their pocket where the next thing they know, somebody is sending them a direct message that they haven't heard from in a while and saying, oh, you know, let's catch up over coffee or that kind of thing. And now it's just, 
it's just everywhere. I don't know. Are there, are there signs of hope? I see a lot of signs of hope in what you're doing and spreading the word and building communities where people can share their stories and where you can be an activist and you can lobby and we can try to have the government do something about this. But I also, it feels like still see an onslaught of people on social media. And I'm sure with the pandemic, in some ways this grew, right? Because yeah. traditional jobs maybe dried up for a little while yeah. and people who had been waiting tables and people who did have part-time jobs in this industry or people who did service types of jobs that relied on human-to-human -human contact and then all of a sudden mm -hmm. people aren't going to those stores anymore and they were laid off. Of course, they're gonna wanna turn to an MLM because they need something to yeah. pay the bills, right? So, Absolutely. So where are we with this? Are there signs of hope? Well, in 2020, there was actually like a, I want to say it was like 53% increase in people joining MLM. I think it was 53% of MLMs reported growth in 2020, mm, which mm -hmm. is not great, right? Um, there were a lot of people that joined MLMs during 2020 because of the pandemic. Uh, so much so, especially a lot of MLMs that are like health and wellness that were claiming to cure COVID or claiming to, you know, like Ugh. you won't have to get a vaccine because like this is a natural vaccine right. and all kinds of stuff with oils and. Right. Another preying on vulnerabilities, <sighs> yeah, I will say absolutely. a whole nother type of vulnerability. Oh, you're sick with long COVID. Well, have oh, I yeah. got the product for oh, you? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so there was a lot of that. And the FTC ended up sending letters out to a lot of these MLMs saying we're watching you and we'll be finding mm, you. Those okay. are health claims and you cannot do that. That is illegal and we will take you down. And so the FTC, mm -hmm. I think also. <laughs> there are a few good eggs in the FTC, I will say. Uh, I've met a couple people who are really great and are doing this charge and trying to make things happen. Unfortunately, there's like a lot of bureaucratic red tape because it is the government and the person pulling the strings at the top of the pyramid of the government like is super pro MLM anyway. So, you know, there's governmental lobbies and there's caucuses that protect uh, MLMs. It's called the DSA, the Direct Sellers Association. I call it Big Pyramid. And they've, mm -hmm. they've got offices on K Street along with everybody else. They protect mm -hmm. MLM. And so, you know, it's not just me or the anti-MLM community going, these are bad. We have government officials pushing back and saying, no, they're not. They're great. Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. an entire industry to fight. So Ugh. I've talked to so many of the OGs. Uh, they've come on my show and we've talked about these things. And it's kind of split down the middle. And just to clarify, OGs Some of the OGs, are... like Robert Fitzpatrick, who is uh, the Pyramid, Pyramid Scheme Alert. He wrote a book called Ponzi-nomics that I, I think is the MLM Bible. It's mm -hmm. fantastic. Uh, Doug Brooks, who is a lawyer who has worked mm -hmm. with a lot of MLM and franchise-type law and business, involved in many MLM cases. And then uh, we also have mm -hmm. Bill Keep, who is a professor of business in New Jersey. And so these are guys that have been around for a long time who have been fighting mm -hmm. the good fight. We're in this big email thread and, you know, mm. things come out like the FTC and, and we work together on the back end. And some of them are like their pyramid schemes. They'll never change unless the government is willing to come out and admit that these are pyramid schemes. Like nothing will really ever change legally. Mm -hmm. Like they'll just, you know, anytime you come up with a new rule, there's a new loophole to get around it. And that's essentially what's been happening for the last like 45 years or so, unfortunately. So there are definitely people that are like, it's never going to change. And there are other people that are like, we're hopeful. We're hopeful it'll change. And I'm sort of somewhere in the middle. I understand that mm -hmm. you need more than hope and you need more than to give up and say it's not it's not going to change. It's some, I'm somewhere in the middle. And I believe that having conversations about things, telling real true stories from people who have just these wild experiences. And, you know, here's the thing. Like, I watched a Scientology show and was like, oh, my God, I'm in a cult. Like, I was not... 
I was not a Scientologist. Mm-hmm. I, I did not experience the abuse that these people experienced, but it was close enough that I was like, oh my God, something similar to that happened to me. And so mm-hmm. really keeping your eyes open when you get that uncomfortable feeling of cognitive dissonance, when you're like, but she said 99.7, but my friend has a car. Like, right, great, awesome. How many people went broke helping your friend get her car? Like there's that bottom mm-hmm. of the iceberg that's not showing that people are not seeing. It's 99.7% yes. of them. So it's it's a yeah. very dangerous place. And I think as long as there's awareness and that we're talking about this and we're taking the fear and the stigma away, which is like my whole thing, is remove the stigma and be like, we all mm-hmm. failed. It's okay. That's You failed, so you succeeded. Welcome to the club. It's so nice to have you. Mm-hmm. And to, to yeah. let people know that it's okay. It's okay. And it's okay if you're still in an MLM and it's okay if you're going, oh my God, I think I'm part of this and how do I get out? It's okay. It's absolutely mm-hmm. okay. I'm never, ever, ever going to make people feel bad about doing what they thought was the best for them in the moment. I have women that message yeah. me and say, I love your podcast. I listen all the time. <laughs> I feel so cringy listening because everything you talk about I've done, but I can't leave my MLM yet. Like my husband, I retired my husband, which is a thing they say. All of the money comes from my MLM. I'm in the tippity tippity top of this one or that one, but I'm listening. And I can't follow you on social media because mm-hmm. everyone will know, but I'm listening and I'm watching and thank mm-hmm. you. And I'm slowly working my way out. My husband went back to work. We're doing this. We're going to, you know, whatever. And they're slowly working on the back yeah. end. And we also have to understand that that woman who's telling me, I'm not going to recruit anymore. I'm just going to maintain. I'm just going to help people. And I'm going to slowly make my way out. Like she's trying and she's doing her best. Yeah. And I don't want people to tell her she's stupid or dumb or what a loser you are or you're part of the problem because she's actively trying to be better and that is the only thing that I require from people just be better than who you were the day before just if you learn something and it happens all the time I use language I love language and I'll use things I grew up in the 80s and there are words that are you're not allowed to say anymore and they're offensive and I will stop myself and actively learn go we're not we don't use that phrase or we don't do that or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and actively be better it's not hard mm-hmm. to actively be better. It, it comes mm-hmm. with, oh, crap, I've been doing this. Oh, crap. Ugh. But you're not a bad person for saying, I was doing a bad thing and I want to be better. And, yeah. you know, it's a beautiful community. No one is here to make you feel bad about it. Listen to the show, commiserate, laugh, shoot me an email if you have questions. You know, getting out of these things are hard. There's no, you know, five-step process. I wish I could say, oh, this is how you do it. It's super easy. What you have to do is you have to wait for your friend, your family member, the person you love, the person you care about, that you're watching spiral. You have to wait for that crack. And if you are always kind to them and you just say, you know, I'm no, no, thank you. I'm not interested. Not, I don't want to be a part of your pyramid scheme, Brenda. Like you can't do that, right? If you Mm -hmm. really genuinely, genuinely love this person, you need to say, no, thank you. I don't want any or no, thank you. But be supportive. Be supportive. Don't shut them off because they're going to need a lifeline when it's time to leave. And they will remember that you were not that friend that made them feel like And they'll say, you know what, Roberta, I'm going to ask Roberta because she's always been understanding and she's always been kind. And that's where that when that Mm -hmm. crack comes in and that light comes in, that's when you plant that seed. And you just ask questions. You don't accuse them of anything. You say, have you done a profit and loss statement? I'm curious. Do you know how much money you've made? Well, I don't know. It's got these checks and this. And, you know, we should sit down and do a profit and loss and see. Maybe you're in the green. Maybe you're not. Mm -hmm. But sitting down and doing that in a very, like, non-confrontational way, not like, we're going to see how much you lost. I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Aren't you curious? Let's just see. And then making decisions when you find out the facts. Numbers don't lie. 
You might be going, well, I'm getting a thousand dollar check every month. And you're like, but you're spending nine, nine hundred to get it. You're only making a hundred dollars and you're working 80 hours a week or a month, whatever it is for a hundred dollars or whatever, you know, however many, you you do that math too. You look and you go, okay, this is how many hours I worked. This is how much money I made. If you made money and you do that math and you go, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I've done the math. It's less than prison wages. It's like 25 cents an hour. It's really disgusting. And that was. I gave everybody the benefit of the doubt, and I did uh, 20 hours a week as a part-time job, and it was still less than prison labor. And so I yes. think a lot of people don't see that, right? They only see the green. They don't see what's going out. They don't, they don't check those things. And mm-hmm. like I said, there's no one way to get people out of an MLM or a cult or a whatever, but mm-hmm. to be supportive and to not be yes. judgmental, to be the one friend that people yes. are like, you can talk to her. She's not going to make you feel bad. She's gonna, she right. might ask you some tough questions. She might make you feel, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but she's not going to make you feel like shit about it. Right. And I always say, we don't, if we don't laugh, we cry. So we try to keep mm-hmm. it lighthearted and we try to keep it fun and we try <laughs> to keep it not scary because I want people to listen. <laughs> I want people to learn. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like it really is just educating yourself as much as you can so that when your friends need your help, you're prepared. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. You hit on so many things there. And I had wanted definitely for us to talk about how to help a friend you're concerned about. And you really hit the nail on the head there. And the other thing I'm thinking about is so much of that advice also applies fittingly to when you're worried about a friend in an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. It's a very similar thing. You know, if you go all in ready to load and fire and say, he's the most terrible person in the world. and I have no idea what you see in him and you need to leave him right now. And I'm not going to be in the room with him ever again guess what? You are not going to be the one that she comes to when he starts hitting her or any kind of abusive relationship, emotional abuse or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever it looks like. It's the same sort of thing. You've got to be the calm, listening voice. And even though you can be judgmental about it because you're telling them you're concerned, you don't want to be judgmental in the sense that you're making them feel so awful about themselves or make them feel stupid. It's such similar advice to anybody that you're worried about in that situation. I mean, all of those situations, we call them high demand groups or cults, right? They're Mm -hmm. all cults. So an abusive relationship, Mm -hmm. we just call it a cult of one-on-one, just a one-on-one cult. Mm -hmm. It's any coercive control. I love to reference Dr. Stephen Hassan's BITE model, which is it's a Mm -hmm. model of authoritarian control. It stands for behavior, information, thought, and emotion. And a couple lists Mm -hmm. of ways that high demand groups, including abusive partners, abusive parents, abusive friends, Mm -hmm. abusive jobs, abusive anything, would use to control Mm -hmm. you. And I always tell people, if you're curious, go down the checklist. You say, take a screenshot, Mm -hmm. right? Start with B, take a screenshot, Mm -hmm. and then open it up in your app and highlight. Highlight Mm -hmm. yellow, maybe, maybe, green, definitely red, whatever, you know, pick whatever colors work for you. And then look back and go, oh, wow, actually, that's a lot more than I thought. I'm being, Mm -hmm. oh, wow, okay. And to look at that. And Obviously, there's going to be some really extremes in there that you're like, this is not happening to me. But also sometimes Mm -hmm. this is one of the things, one of the things on the bite model, I I just want people to sometimes if you see something and it seems familiar, but you're like, that's definitely not happening to sit with it a little bit, because one of the things in the bite model is sleep deprivation. And you're like, hmm, okay. well, no one ever like forced me to not sleep or like woke me up every time I fell asleep. So like maybe and it was never like put in like a deprivation chamber or anything like that, like in Scientology. So I'm like, so hmm. Mm -hmm. But then I realize and I remember 
then I did have that because we would have late night Zoom calls or you're in late night meetings with people or you're in a different time zone. So we might be having a nine o'clock meeting in California because that's when everyone can get. Mm -hmm. But you're on the East Coast, so you're in a meeting at midnight and you've got to work tomorrow at Mm -hmm. six and the meeting runs long and you don't get to bed until four and you only get Mm -hmm. two hours of sleep or whatever it is. That's sleep deprivation. It's not normal sleep deprivation, but that is sleep deprivation. And when your body is put into those sort of situations, it lowers your inhibitions. It lowers your cognitive dissonance. It lowers your ability to say, this is kind of weird. And so, again, like if something seems like "Mm, maybe kind of like sit with it, right? Maybe don't highlight it or sit with it and think, well, is there a way that I could be getting this? Because the first time I went down the bite model, I was like, And then the more I heard stories, the more I was like, oh, my God, that's part of it, too. I didn't even think about that. So Mm -hmm. it's a good exercise to do if you think that you might be in something or someone you love might be in something and to go down these checklists and to just see. Because what's the worst that's going to happen? You delete a couple screenshots from your phone and go, well, they're not in the cult. I'm not worried about it anymore. But you have peace of mind now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the bite model, you can find that anywhere. Google. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's wonderful. And what underlies all of this is little steps matter, Yeah, right? Little steps. Let me plant this little seed for my cousin and just get her to maybe think about this. But no, I'm still there if she wants to talk. Let me just look at the frequently asked questions on this website that I've kind of gotten involved with. Let me just think little steps are how you can sometimes get a toehold and grow and start to actually have some strength start to come. You know what? There's now four things that make me feel really weird about this and four feels like something meaningful and I'm going to give this even more thought or you know what we've had this conversation now with my friend and she's brought up a couple additional points I didn't really think about it before but now that I have been and so little steps absolutely really matter and of course the big steps too which you are doing all the time and I'm just so grateful that you were able to share your expertise with us. And I'm so grateful for the community that you're building for so many folks. I love the fact that you're about compassion and inclusion and there's no shame and there's no judgment. We just want to help people gain insight. We want to help people escape some of this, this manipulation of their vulnerabilities. We want to empower people to know when they are being gaslit and when they are driving themselves into the ground or being driven into the ground financially and relationships getting ruined in this. And you've created such a community and you continue to do so. I mean, I hate to say it, but honestly, it inspires me to start a pyramid scheme to help people get out of pyramid schemes. (laughs) All you have to do is refer this episode to five friends and tell them to refer it to five friends. And then eventually, after 14 levels, everyone in the world will know. The model works. Totally. We're just going to have to use this model for good and not evil. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's funny how that doesn't seem to happen so much, right? Yeah. Oh, Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much, Roberta. Uh, You are a gem. And I just appreciate this conversation so much. And I look forward to helping drive some folks over to your community. Yeah. If anybody is listening right now and they're like, oh, my God, I think I'm in an MLM. What do I do? Google. Google the name of the company and then scam. And then just spend a couple hours reading people's testimonies. I probably have an episode on it, too. So you can hit me up and go, do you have any episodes on blah, blah, blah? And I will send you to the right place so you can hear that you are not alone. And it's it's built this way. Yeah. Such an important message. Thank you again. Yes, of course. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today. Once again, I'm Dr. Andrea Bonnier, and this has been Baggage Check with new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Join us on Instagram at Baggage Check Podcast. 
Give us your take and opinions on topics and guests. And you know you've got that friend who listens to Like 17 podcasts? We'd love it if you told them where to find us. Our original music is by Jordan Cooper, cover art by Daniel Merity, and my studio security, it's Buster the Dog. Until next time, take good care.